So let's give our attention to the reading of God's Word, starting with John 8, verse 12, and we're going to read all the way to verse 30. This is God's Word. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says where I am going, you cannot come? He said to them, you are from below I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world that I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. This is God's word. Let's go to him now in prayer. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, which is indeed a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I pray, Lord God, that as we consider these amazing claims that you have made in the person of Jesus, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you are speaking to us this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray, O Lord God, that you would speak, for we, your servants, are listening. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This summer, my kids have been doing a lot of traveling. Two weeks ago, Jack drove up to Mullins, South Carolina with the youth group kids and uh, supervisors and uh, uh, chaperones and things. 
And the next day, Lily got on a plane and flew to meet the kids in Mullins, South Carolina. She had to stay here an extra day as she finished up her dance recitals. This week, our daughter Lily flew to Dallas uh, for a school competition. And in two weeks, our son is flying to Washington, D.C. for a student leadership event. And then the week after that, all of us are getting on another plane and we're flying to California to see Kate's mom and dad. When our kids are not on, airpl- not on airplanes, they're driving in cars. My now 16-year-old daughter is always driving somewhere, often with her little brother sitting in the front seat with her. Between work and school events and coffee shops and seeing their friends, it seems that those two are always on the road. Here's the thing. I'm completely fine with this. I am not worried at all. Now, you would think that I would be a little bit worried about all of their travels because I held them in my arms when they were just babies. I sang them uh, bedtime songs and told them bedtime stories and when their diapers needed to be changed. I called Kate and (laughs) she would do that for them. And now I drop them off at an airport and I say, see you next week. And I send them to the grocery store in a convertible, and I'm completely at peace about the whole thing. I don't think twice about it. The question is, why? Why am I so confident? Why am I not worried at all? Isn't this world a dark and dangerous place? Shouldn't we be afraid of the dark? Shouldn't our kids be afraid of the dark? Well, the answer to the first question is yes, unfortunately, this world can be and often is a very dark place. There's no question about that. Just look around. There's school shootings and political corruption and gender confusion, natural disasters, domestic and spiritual abuse, humanism and secularism to the left of us, moralism and legalism to the right, As we saw last week with the story of the woman caught in adultery, sometimes the darkness is out there in the world, and sometimes the darkness is right here in our own hearts. Like the woman caught in adultery, we are all sinners, and like the woman caught in adultery, all of us have been sinned against. That's the bad news. But the good news, which is much more delightful and perhaps much more surprising is that according to Jesus, we should not be afraid of the dark. According to Jesus, fear of the dark is not only completely illogical, it is totally unnecessary because Jesus is the light of the world. Verse 12, again Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As we read all the way back in chapter 1, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Past tense. Not only will the darkness not overcome it, the darkness 
has not overcome it. Not only do we have hope that one day the light will win, we have confidence that the light has already won. Just as the light of the sun, S-U-N, brings physical life to plants and animals and human beings, so also the light of the sun, S-O-N, gives spiritual light to everyone who believes. Jesus is the light of the world who stepped down into darkness to open our eyes so that we can see the true nature of things. Jesus is the light of eternity, connectivity, community, and creativity. He is the light of revelation, navigation, celebration, and salvation. He is the light of divinity and discernment and deliverance and delight. Now, these are very, very bold claims. They were bold claims uh, today in our world, a very pluralistic, hedonistic culture. And they were bold claims 2,000 years ago in a very pietistic, legalistic culture, the culture of ancient Israel. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, don't miss this, the religious leaders of the day immediately objected to that claim. Verse 13, So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. You're lying, Jesus. You're you're bearing false witness. You're saying something that we know is absolutely not true. Now many people in our own day would immediately object as well. Yeah, sure, Jesus is a light, but the light? What about other people in other religions? What about good people who try their best to be good, moral people? Are they walking in darkness? What exactly is Jesus saying when he says, I am the light of the world? What does Jesus mean? Was he lying or was he telling the truth? These are some of the questions that we'll be asking this morning as we unpack one of the most famous verses in the whole Bible, the second of seven I am statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. Verse 12, I am the light of the world. Now, on one level, it seems like a very simple, straightforward statement, but there's a lot here. So if you're taking notes, here's our outline. As we unpack this verse and consider what Jesus means when he says, I am the light of the world, we're going to see four ways in which Jesus shines the light that brings life to everyone who believes. The first thing we'll see is that Jesus came to shine the light of divinity. He came to show us who God is. He came from the Father to show us the face of the Father. Second, we'll see that Jesus came to shine the light of direction. Jesus helps us navigate life in this fallen, dark world in which we live. If we follow him, we will no longer walk in the darkness of confusion. We will walk in the light of wisdom and understanding. 
Third, we'll see that Jesus came to shine the light of deliverance. In the Bible, darkness and death go hand in hand. Hell is described as a place of deep darkness. And yet, on the cross, Jesus walked straight into the pit of hell, into the deepest darkness, in order to bring us out of the darkness and into the light of his salvation. Fourth, we'll see that Jesus came to shine the light of delight. In the Bible, there's a deep connection between light and joy. The gospel is, after all, good news of great joy for all kinds of people. This text is one of those dividing line verses, one of those key passages that help us understand the radical claims of our Lord Jesus Christ. As Charles Spurgeon once said, the same sun which melts the wax hardens the clay. And the same gospel which melts some persons to repentance hardens others in their sins. In other words, when some people see Jesus, the light of the world, they're blinded by the light and they simply cannot see. When other people see Jesus, the light of the world, their eyes are opened. And they begin to see the world in living color for the very first time in their lives. Darkness and light. Death and life. Those are the stakes. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. What is he saying? Let's take a closer look. The first big idea is this. Jesus came to shine the light of divinity. This is one of those passages where the context is very important for understanding what Jesus is saying here. Where exactly was Jesus and what was he doing when he said, I am the light of the world. Well, the answer is, we read in the context that he was in the temple during one of the feasts, the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles, sometimes called the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tents, was an annual feast where the Israelites remembered how God was with them during their wilderness wanderings leading them and guiding them until they reached Canaan, the promised land, the land that was flowing with milk and honey. If you remember the story from the book of Exodus, God used Moses, who looked a lot like Charlton Heston in the movie version, to deliver the Israelites from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. The Israelites crossed the Red Sea, The sea came down and crushed the Egyptians who drowned in the sea. And then, because of their sin, stubbornness, rebellion, and idolatry, God told his people, his beloved people, his chosen people, none of you are going to enter the promised land. Your children will enter the promised land, but you will die here in the wilderness before you cross over into the other side. For the next 40 years, a length of a generation, you're going to wander in the wilderness in this desert. And that's exactly what happened. It was not good news for the people of Israel, but there was a silver lining. 
there was a glimmer of hope in the midst of that curse and punishment. God wasn't done with his people. In spite of their sin, in spite of their rebellion, in spite of their just overall foolishness, God continued to guide them in the desert. He appeared to them in the sky in a a pillar of fire, a cloud of fire that went before them every step of the way. God essentially said, follow the light, follow me, and I will lead you into the promised land. Do you hear echoes of what Jesus said in verse 12? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, with all that in mind, look down at verse 20. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Now, here's why that little detail is very important. Every night during the Feast of the Tabernacles, right there in the treasury, right where Jesus was standing, when the sun went down, the people would take two giant candelabras that were filled not with candles, but with torches. And they would light those torches, and the light from those torches was so bright that the temple could be seen from miles around. It was, in a sense, the light of the world. When those torches were lit, people could see the grace of God and the presence of God from miles away. Here's what Jesus is saying. This is the reason that the religious leaders tried to arrest him down in verse 20. He is saying, I am the glory cloud. I am God himself. When you see me, you are seeing the face of Yahweh, the great I am. When you follow me, I will lead you into the promised land the land of peace and rest and glory and joy. Can you feel the electricity of that moment? Can you imagine Jesus standing there and saying, I am the light of the world. No one would have the audacity to say anything like this if it were not true. No person in the ancient world would ever say anything like this. No person in the modern world would would have the, the absolute audacity to say that I am God. And yet here is Jesus saying, I am the great I am. 1 John 1, 5. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. And in him... There is no darkness at all. That's the first big idea, that Jesus came to shine the light of divinity. The God who, according to the Apostle Paul, dwells in unapproachable light, has made himself approachable through the person of Jesus Christ. 
because of Jesus, we can know God. We can know him intellectually, but we can also know him relationally. We can know him the way we would know our closest friends, the way that we would know our parents and our brothers and sisters or our husbands and our wives. We can know him relationally because of Jesus. Now, if you're a bit agnostic about these things, if you're thinking to yourself, well, I understand what you're saying, Pastor Joel, but I don't think you can really know who God is. I mean, God is, is a spirit. God is uh, mysterious. God is an enigma. Isn't it arrogant to claim that you can absolutely know who God is? Here's the answer. Here's the good news. We can know. And we do know, not because we are smarter than anyone else, not because we are more uh, morally upright than other people. We can know and we do know because God has made himself known. He is the light of the world, the glory cloud shining in the face of his son, Jesus. Second big idea. Jesus came not only to shine the light of divinity, Jesus came to shine the light of of direction. Jesus directs our steps. Jesus shows us the way to go. He teaches us how to live. His words are a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Because of sin, we all walk in darkness. Because of sin, we are all lost. Because of sin, we don't know where we're going, and we don't know how to get there. Jesus gives us a map. Jesus is our map. Have you ever been confused about God's plan for your life? Have you ever wondered at maybe a moment of decision, what exactly does God want me to do? I wonder about these things all the time. I think to myself, I did think to myself back when I was a younger person, well, should I go to college? Yes, I think I should go. But where should I go? Maybe you're wondering, well, I'm, should I date this person? Should I marry this person? Should I have kids with this person? How many kids should I have? And how many of them should I name Joel? I wonder about these things. Should I retire? When should I retire? Does God really hate seashell collectors as much as Pastor John Piper seems to think that he does? I wonder about these things. If you're stressed, if you're worried, if you're wondering and wavering, here's a two-word answer for you. Follow Jesus. Here's a three-word answer for you. Follow the light. Now, Jesus doesn't give us every answer to every specific question that we have about the future. I, frankly, I wish he did, but he doesn't. He doesn't give us a plan. He gives us a person. He says, I am the light. Follow me. Without Jesus, we are all stumbling around in the darkness with Jesus, we can see things clearly, clearly enough that we are enabled to run in the path of his commandments, for he has set our hearts free. 
C.S. Lewis, a great writer and defender of the Christian faith, once wrote this. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Jesus came to shine the light of direction. He shows us how to navigate life in a fallen world. Third big idea. Jesus came to shine the light of deliverance. Now, throughout the Bible, there's always a connection between light and life. You'll see that over again, not only in the gospel according to John, but especially in 1 John. Jesus is, uh, John is always talking about the connection between light and life. But there's also a connection in the Bible between darkness and death. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And Satan is darkness. In him there is no light at all. By nature, because of sin, we resist the light. Like our very first parents, Adam and Eve, we would rather hide in the darkness than come into the light of God's presence. In John chapter 3, John makes a very sobering statement. He says, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works should be exposed. As the physical and spiritual children of our first parents, Adam and Eve, we don't want God to know who we really are. We don't want to come into the light because God's light exposes the truth about our sinful condition. The light of God shows us all the ways that we sin and fall short of His glory. We have a big problem, a sin problem, a darkness problem, which is why we prefer living our lives in the shadows. But here's the good news of the gospel. Jesus, the light of the world, came to transform the light of condemnation into the light of salvation. Jesus, as the light of the world, came to deliver us from the domain of darkness. We are saved, when we are saved by God's grace through faith in Him, we are transformed. We pass from not only from death to life, but from darkness into light. Colossians 1.13, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. 1 John 1.6, if we say that we have fellowship with God the Father while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sin. How did Jesus deliver us from darkness and death? Did he simply flip the switch, like flipping a, a light switch, and declare all of the darkness has gone away? He could have done this, but he did something much, much better, much more compassionate, much more courageous, much more profound. 
Jesus delivered us from darkness and death on the cross by absorbing the darkness and death of our sin. Whenever we say the Apostles' Creed together, we say that Jesus descended into hell. And what we mean by that is that there's a sense in which Jesus took the outer darkness of death into his person, his body and his soul on the cross in order to give us light. That's why at the moment of Jesus' death on the cross, at what should have been the brightest part of the day, noon until three o'clock, there was darkness which descended over the earth. There's even more. Jesus, after enduring the darkness of death and hell on the cross, stepped further down into the darkness of the grave, a place the Bible calls Sheol, or pit, the pit, the place of the dead. And for two agonizing days, as Jesus lay in the darkness of a tomb, it seemed like the light of the world had been snuffed out forever. But as you know, that's not the end of the story. On the first day of the week, on Easter Sunday, the sun rose in the sky and the sun rose from the dead. The women greeted the sun at sunrise as they came to the tomb. And then they greeted the sun, Jesus himself, who had risen from the dead. Having endured the, the darkness of hell and the darkness of death, Jesus went there to bring us to the lightest place, the kingdom of God. Because he did, we read in Revelation 22.5, night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they, we, will reign forever and ever. Darkness cannot, will not, and did not overcome the light. That means if you are in Christ, if you believe in him, if you follow him, if you walk in the light of his grace, sin cannot and will not overcome you. Jesus is the light who brings life to the world. He's our savior. He shines the light of deliverance for everyone who believes. Fourth big idea, last one. Jesus came to shine the light of delight. Pun absolutely not intended. It just worked out that way. The light of delight. Now notice how the prophet Isaiah connects the two themes of light and joy in one of the most famous passages about uh, prophesying the birth of Jesus Christ in Isaiah 9. He writes, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 
there's a connection between deliverance and delight. Light gives us joy. That's why people who are generally happy people are said to have a sunny disposition. There's a reason why we wear bright colors to weddings and dark colors to funerals. Jesus is the light of the world, bringing joy to everyone who believes. If anything else is your ultimate source of joy, if you're looking to anything or any other person to be the the reason for living, the reason for joy, the reason for gladness, you will always be disappointed. But if Jesus is the ultimate source of your joy, you'll never be disappointed. If Jesus is the light of your world, you will have eternal, transcendent joy. Joy that begins in this life and continues into the life to come. That's the good news of the gospel. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the light of divinity, showing us the face of God. He directs us. He delivers us. He delights us. And as his followers, as his disciples, our calling is to reflect that light the way the moon reflects the light of the sun. As Christians, God is calling us to be bright, luminous people. And so where there is hate, we are to shine the light of love. Where there is sorrow, we are to shine the light of joy. Where there is enmity and conflict and division, we are to shine the light of unity and peace. Where there is poverty, we are to shine the light of generosity. Where there is pain, we are to shine the light of healing and hope. Isaiah 58 verse 8 Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord, the pillar of fire, shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer you. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. This world can be a dark place. But as God's people, we are not to be afraid of the darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. Let's go to him in prayer. Oh Lord our God, we thank you for the light of hope, the light of grace, the light of peace. Thank you for Jesus who willingly stepped down into the darkness of death and hell to bring us into the light of glory and salvation in the kingdom of God. We we are overwhelmed by what you have done for us. We ask simply, Lord God, that you would impress the truth of your gospel on our hearts. And if anyone this morning, Lord God, is persistently walking in the darkness of of sin and unbelief, of worry, of fear, of confusion, I pray that by your Spirit that you would shine the light of your gospel into their hearts at this very moment. They would see and feel 
and experience the light of your grace. We thank you, Lord, for all you've done, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.